Good morning and welcome to Faithbrook Church. I'm Chrissy Thompson, our Children and Family Director. We're so glad you're here with us, whether you're in person or online. Thanks for joining in. If you're a guest with us, a special welcome to you. We ask that you go to faithbrook.church forward slash guest. Or if you're here in person, grab a connection card from the seat pocket in front of you. And you can drop that in the giving box on the way out. For each card that we collect, we are donating $5 to our local Cross Food Shelf. Um, Just as a thank you for checking us out, as well as being a blessing to our community. Well, if you're new to Faithbrook or you've been coming here for a while and you want to know a little bit more about who we are as a church, we are going to be hosting our discovery class right here in the sanctuary after service for about 20 minutes. So we hope that you join in and get to discover more about who Faithbrook is. Well, we are going to now welcome our Connections Pastor Mike Delgallo as he continues our series, First Things First. Well, during World War II on the European front, the American Red Cross sent hundreds of women to give the soldiers a slice of home. Throughout London, the American Red Cross had set up a massive network of hotels and recreation clubs for the soldiers to be able to leave base and enjoy simple civilian pleasures. Now, many soldiers were not able to actually get to London uh, because they're stuck in the field. So in response, the American Red Cross set up a mobile service club, or what they called a club mobile. Now, these uh, club mobiles were single-decker uh, green line buses, and they were retrofitted with donut and coffee machines, and they also supplied some simple civilian goods as well. And these co- uh, coffee and donuts were definitely the star of the show. In fact, it was uh, noted that in December of 1944, it showed that 205 Red Cross women uh, in uh, Great Britain served over 4.6 million donuts uh, to the American troops. Now, uh, over the next coming months, it wasn't just limited to Great Britain, but these clubmobiles made their way uh, uh, into France, Germany, Belgium, and Luxembourg as well. Now, by the time the war had ended in September of 1945, the American public had contributed over $784 million uh, in support of the American Red Cross, with over 7.5 million volunteers uh, here stateside, and there were also 39,000 paid staff who were supporting the war effort. Uh, they said, uh, mentioned that they, uh, at the end of the war, they said that nearly every family in America uh, contained a member who had either served as a Red Cross volunteer, they made contributions of money or blood, or they were a recipient of a Red Cross services. It just seems that every time there's a major crisis, people step up to volunteer and help out. But the question is, is, does there have to be a crisis? For, does there have to be a crisis for us to be willing to step up and serve and volunteer? Well, welcome back to our series. Welcome to Faithbrook Church. Uh, as uh, we heard earlier, my name is Mike Delgallo. I'm the Connections Pastor. And it is so good that we could uh, worship together here on site. Those of you joining in online and watching later on demand as well. Well, we, today we continue our series called First Things First. And this series is all about how to fulfill our purpose. You see, when we don't know or uh, don't know have a purpose in our life, we end up having an unfulfilled life. And this is because we find ourselves living our life through our own uh, lenses or perspective in which we have. And this, uh, this, is, uh, this lens of perspective that we have is shaped to our various circumstances in life. And that could be uh, different life events. It could be the people in which uh, surround us. It could even be the very culture in which we live 
And uh, as we have this, what we find is how we see affects how we live. And the only way to change the way we uh, see the world around us is to have a godly purpose that drives our lives. And thank goodness, because God does have a general purpose for each and every one of us to give us a new perspective uh, in spite of the uh, circumstances, and it would shape everything that we do. Now, for this series, we're not going to dive into our specific callings or specific purpose that God may have for us individually, but instead we're going to talk more on the general scape of the general purpose that God has for each and every one of us. And so to... uh depending on whether you've been a Christian for many years or maybe you're new to faith and you're uh, figuring out what life in Christ looks like, uh, we're just, for this series, we're going back to the basics to uh, figure out what it is that uh, God's purpose is for us so we can have a fulfilling life. Now, one place we find, uh, this, uh, find out our purpose for us is in the New Testament, and it's a letter written by the Apostle Paul to, um, to the people in Rome or the Romans. And he writes this book to these Christians in Rome, and like you and me, they didn't have much history with uh, Judaism. They didn't know much about it. In fact, many of the Christians were uh, pagans, or they worshipped other gods, and they were converts to Christianity. So they didn't have uh, much history with uh, worshipping the uh, Jewish gods. God of our scriptures. So Paul writes this letter to them to give them sort of a baseline of theology, of just basic things of uh, who God is, uh, what is, uh, who's Jesus, what is sin, and uh, to kind of give them a, uh, a baseline, a foundation. Now he writes this for about 11 chapters, and he gets to the 12th chapter, and what he uh, c- comes to is he realizes that it's not just uh, enough that you have a head knowledge of theology, but he recognizes that the theology needs to be lived out as well, that they, these new Christians, these new converts needed to know what the purpose was and how to actually live a life and one that God had for them and one that is a fulfilling life. And so he comes to, he comes to the chapter 12, and he says, okay, you have, this, you have this foundation. You have a basic theology of what I've written out for you. And he says, now here's a, here's a few things. Here's a few things I have for you. And if you are to do these few things, he says this in verse 2. He says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and per- uh, perfect will. He says that if you do these few things, if you can just uh, live out these few things, then you will know what God's purpose uh, for your your life is. And so for our series, uh, what we are discovering is that when we're able to put first things first, we fulfill our purpose. When we can put first things first, we fulfill our purpose. And when we have a purpose, what it does is it renews our perspective. And when we, uh, we are able to see things differently. And when we uh, see things differently, we live. We act differently as well. And that's why it's important to put first things first, because living out our purpose affects everything that we do. And uh, so with this, he, uh, uh, we kicked off two weeks ago, and what we, uh, what we found out is that fulfilling our purpose starts with loving God holistically. That means with every part of our life, we're challenged with every component of our life, we are to love God. That faith isn't just a part of our life, it is in our entire life. And last week, we discovered that love isn't love if it isn't real. And that no matter what, we are to love others unconditionally, we are to love our fellow human beings, even those people who are difficult in our lives. Now, this week, we're coming to a third component of what it is to live out our purpose, and specifically, we're going to talk about our gifts and talents. 
Now, I think for a lot of us, uh, we may know what our gifts and talents are, but some of us just may not know. We've never taken the time to figure out what we are good at. And uh, a lot of times, uh, specifically uh, speaking to our vocation, uh, for especially in the last 50 years, it didn't matter what you were good at. You would typically just go get a job. You would get paid. And the money that was brought home uh, was, was enough to uh, be able to supply for your family. And so joy wasn't necessarily found in your work. It was uh, in the fact that you were able to provide for the family itself. Well, two generations later, we now have millennials, and, and now we uh, have, a, uh, have to get a job based on what we're good at, based on what we like. And that's also coupled with, for the, one of the first times in history, we have more options, more opportunities for different types of jobs than ever before. In fact, more people are being able to do what they love than ever in history. And this even uh, spills over into the nonprofit and uh, nonprofit uh, sector as well. That there are more niche places to uh, serve in the community. I mean, for volunteering, there's a lot of niche places in which we can serve. But uh, with, uh, with that, what's been interesting over the last 50 years is giving has actually gone up uh, towards nonprofits and uh, local churches. Uh, giving has gone up, and part of the reason is that is uh, a lot of um, non-disposable income and having just extra funds on hand. And so people have a little extra money that they can spend, and so they're more willing to, to uh, give. Uh, however, the inverse is that volunteering has actually gone down. Over the last 50 years, volunteering has gone down. And so you can imagine for nonprofits and local churches, uh, they are in dire needs for volunteering to make things happen. In fact, for the uh, modern local church, the uh, common statistic is that 20% of the people who are part of a church do about 80% of the work. 20% of the people carry about 80% of the work. Now, here at Faithbrook, we're doing a little better, a lot better than that, actually. We have about 38% of the people carrying about 80% of our workload. So if that is you and you are one of the 38%, I thank you for what you do and helping to uh, push forward the mission and vision here. Thank you very much. Now, uh, with that, with a more disposable income at hand, uh, what happens is, is there's been now a, a shift in our thinking about how we approach uh, people in need and, and whatnot. There's, in fact, a, the shift has been that if we just give money towards uh, the, these things, then we're going to have the pros then figure it out. So we can write a check to an organization, and that uh, organization will then figure out how to do all the things and to meet the needs that the organization is going after. And even for many churches... And even here at Faithbrook, sometimes the mindset can be, I will, uh, will give, and that money is going to go towards the staff to make sure everything happens. In fact, it will be the staff that will make sure that groups happen. It will be the staff to invite new people to church. It will be the staff who do all the volunteering, and it will be the staff who help people grow in their faith. They will make everything run. And I think we have to ask ourselves, is, is this really what God has had in mind? Is this really what God had in mind for the local church and for us as we live out our purpose and specifically to use our gifts and talents within our community? So today we're going to continue in Romans 12, and we're, I think we're going to be able to glean a little wisdom and insight from Paul as uh, he addresses this kind of an issue uh, even in that day as as well. So I want to encourage you, if you have a physical Bible, you can pull that out. We're going to be in the book of Romans. Or maybe you have a digital Bible through the YouVersion Bible app. You can pull that out as well. And if you don't have the YouVersion Bible app, I would highly encourage you to uh, get, download that right away because it is fantastic. 
Well, while you are turning there, uh, Paul continues to encourage these, these Christians in Rome, and he uh, jumps right into it in verse 3, and this is, this is what he says. He says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that uh, has distributed to each of you. And so Paul is saying, he says, hey, I've, I received this grace from God. And so out of this grace that I've received, I'm going to humbly address you right now. And in fact, I, I'm going to uh, address something right now. He says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. He's saying, don't, don't be vain and arrogant. Don't be prideful. You see, there's, pride was an issue in that day, uh, much like it is today uh, in our modern era as well. You see, for uh, these Christians in Rome, there's a sense of pride that they, would, they had, a little bit of arrogance. You see, they, they had rejected their worship of these pagan gods, of these Roman gods, and now they've shifted into this new god, uh, it is Jesus, and now they're worshiping him, and there's this air of, uh, of I'm better than you uh, that they had. And so they had a little bit of smugness to them towards uh, people of their faith or not of a faith. And Paul is just squashing that out. He's, he's saying, no, you don't need that. In fact, he says, you're to think of yourself with sober judgment. And he's, uh, this is the idea of thinking the right mind or uh, even exercising self-control. I love what uh, one commentator wrote, and uh, they wrote this. They said, let no man think of himself more or greater than God has made him. And let him know that whatever he is or has of good or excellence, he has it from God, and the glory belongs to the giver and not to him who has received the gift. You see, he, he's saying that it, it's, it's by God's grace. It's by God's grace you, you have this relationship, that you have a redeemed relationship with Christ. It's by God's grace and God's grace alone. And so there, there is, uh, there's, there's nothing here at play that you think that you are better than someone else in your life. And he's also saying the, the flip is true as well. He's, he's saying that it's not about having a low self-esteem or even throwing yourself a pity party. But in fact, he's saying you ought to think highly of yourself, but not too high. And I, I think this is why uh, Jen is, uh, God has brought Jen in my life, probably to balance me out a bit, to make sure that I don't go over that, that pride level too much. So we see that even people in our lives to make sure uh, we are balanced out. And, and he says, you know, this is, this is in accordance to your faith that it's, it's not about what you have done. It's not about what you do or even what you bring to the table, but it's about what God has done and what he has done for us. And so essentially what Paul's saying is no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, God has re redeemed you. And because of that, we are to live with humility. We are to live with humility. I think a lot of times it could be really easy to, to say, hey, look at me. And even for some of us who have been Christians for a long time, sometimes we can even say, hey, look at, look at me, and we have a, a moment where we can gloat in our godliness. We can say, I've been doing our devotions for X amount of years. I've been following Christ for X amount of years. And while it's not bad to talk about it, I think sometimes we can be a little prideful about those things. And Paul is saying, no, no, squash that out. And I think outside of even uh, thinking about our faith, even in our successes in life and even our careers and even just the different things that go on, it can be really easy to say, hey, look what, look what I've done. Look at the things that I can do. It is all by me. But the truth of the matter is, and what Paul's trying to remind these Christians in Rome and even for us today, he's saying, it's not about you. He's saying, no, it is by God's grace we are where we are and who we are. It's nothing more and nothing less. 
And so what he's, he's saying is that we are to live with humility, and this, this humility is really to set the table for what he is to address next. And this is what he writes next. He says, Just as each of us has one body with many members, and those members do not all have the same function, so in Christ uh, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Now, maybe you're, you're newer to church. Maybe uh, you've been coming back and uh, this might be, seem a little weird. But maybe you've heard people say uh, or talk about the body of Christ or the church body. Well, this is one of the passages in Scripture that is talked about and that is brought up and to make a comparison that, uh, that we are like a body. And so this is where this, this comes from. And so what Paul is comparing is, is our physical body to the actual church body, like, much like one here at Faithbrook. And uh, for the, the physical body, uh, we note that it has a lot of different physical parts. There are the fingers, toes, arms, legs, hearts, lungs. There's a whole bunch of different uh, parts and components. And he says they all have different parts. They all have different functions. And yet they're all necessary and all useful. And in fact, uh, with that, a, a toe or a finger or any body part doesn't really have much use when it's apart from the body. Uh, a finger doesn't have much use when it's on the ground, not connected to the body. And so likewise, he's saying with the church body, he's saying that there's many different people and we all belong and we all have different skills and gifts and we are all important. And with that, what he's uh, getting at is that we're all meant to be part of the body. We're all meant to be uh, connected and we're not meant to be alone. And so the point he's trying to get at is that, that we are all uh, supposed to belong to the body. We're supposed to belong to the body. You see, we're not meant to be alone. We're not meant to be silo Christians. We're not meant to, to hermit. That no matter what, we are meant to be a part of a, a local church body. And we're even meant to be useful. I mean, even our pinky toe has its use. Now, in another part, uh, another letter that Paul writes in uh, the first letter to the Corinthians, he, uh, he writes in chapter 12 a, a similar discourse. And in, in this, he, in there he goes a little more in depth. And, and what he says there is, he says, what, what use would it be if every part of the body was an eye? If, everybody, if every part of the body was an eye, what use would everyone be? They'd be doing all the same thing, and you'd just be an eye rolling on the ground. In fact, you wouldn't even do anything because it's not connected to the body. So there's no use in being uh, just, just one thing. You were meant to have each different parts. In fact, we need the different parts, and the, some of them really matter. Now, when I was a kid, I was a huge Michael Jordan fan, and I followed uh, his uh, two three-peats with the uh, Chicago Bulls. And that 96 team was something that was quite uh, spectacular, incredible. And every, every little kid my age, and everyone remembers Jordan, and everyone can remember Michael Jordan. But the truth is, is that not every player can be Michael Jordan. Not every player can be him because there's only one ball and only one player can have the ball at one time. So not every player can be Jordan. In fact, you need guys like a Scottie Pippen. You need someone who can pass the ball. You even need a, a guy, in, uh, Tony Kukoc, a big, tall, lanky guy who's going to stand in the, in the middle of the paint that he's going to take up some space and he could be someone to pass to and grab rebounds and score easy baskets. You even need a guy like Steve Kerr who can roam around the three-point line, stretch out the defense, and even be a threat to hit the three-pointer. And even, even crazy weirdo Dennis Rodman had a spot in the team with his crazy tattoos and hair and facial piercings. Even Dennis Rodman has his place with his incredible defense and rebounding skills. He had, his, he had a place within that team. And if we were to think about any player that was on that team, if it was just a bunch of them, they never would have won the championship. They never would have would have won. And the whole point is that the, the team is meant to be comprised of different parts to make that team. 
Even in modern, uh, modern day, we think about uh, teams. We think of LeBron James when he first came up with the Cleveland Cavaliers. They didn't do so well. Why was that? Well, because it was just LeBron. And all it was was give the ball to LeBron, and hopefully he can score enough points to beat the other team. Well, truth be told, it's hard for one player to beat five other guys on a team. So you're not going to have much success. Now, being a guy from L.A., I got to live uh, many years through Kobe and uh, be able to celebrate some wins there. But even there was some uh, times where a team with just Kobe, it couldn't do well because you can't, win a, you can't win a championship with just one player. And so uh, with this, Paul is really making the point that it's, it's not a, uh, all point, our parts of the body really matter. And so he uh, then goes into his, his next point uh, as he continues in verse 6. He says, with that, we have different gifts according to the grace that is given to each of us. You see, so God, uh, God has graciously given us each a gift or giftings that uh, has a different skill set and uh, different talents that we have. Um, and this is all by God's grace. He has given each of us at least one thing that we, are, that we can be good at. You know, maybe it's something where you're good with people. Maybe you are good at math. Maybe you're good at machinery. Maybe even you're good with different technologies. Uh, maybe you're uh, good with organization. Uh, the point is that every person has at least one gift and uh, maybe more. And uh, with this, uh, we uh, all have them and are meant to be used. I love what uh, Wesley says. He says this. He says, the gifts are various, but the grace is one. Gifts are various, but grace is one. That we have many different gifts and gift sets and gift types, and many, uh, many times things can overlap, gifts can overlap, but each of us is unique and it's intentional. God has meant it that way, and it's by his one grace, it's that one God that brings us together to use us together. And uh, we're not meant to be the same. We're not meant to be cookie cutters of each other. We're meant to be different, and we are different for a reason. And so the point Paul's making is he's saying you need to be self-aware. You need to be self-aware of what gift or gifts God has given you. And the truth is we all have one. We have at least one thing that we are good at and maybe even multiple. And so as Paul is writing this, he, he's saying, okay, do you know what this gift is? Do you, do you know what you, the good thing you are? Do you, know, do you have one thing that you are good at? And so to kind of help their thinking come along, Paul then lists a couple, couple examples. Now, it's not exhaustive in any way, but it's just to kind of spur their thinking on just a little bit. And uh, in fact, there's other places in the New Testament, other letters that he wrote, where he is a little more exhaustive of different gifts and skills. But uh, this is what he says here in verse, uh, the second half of the verse. He says, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. Uh, prophesying is, uh, could be a, an old word for preaching. So it's uh, kind of what uh, myself or Pastor Peggy or Pastor Jim does. Uh, if your gift is preaching, he says, then preach. Uh, in accordance with it, he says, if it's serving, then serve. So if your gift is teaching, then teach. If your gift is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is a lead, do it diligently. And if it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Now, again, this isn't meant to be an exhaustive list in that we all have to fit within uh, these, uh, these list of gifts and talents. But Paul is making a point. And what he's trying to, to get at is that God wants to use what he has given you. God wants to use what he has given you. God has given us each different gifts, and whatever that gift is, we are to be useful. We are to use that gift. Now, again, this is uh, uh, not meant to be uh, exhaustive. It's meant to be different examples. And notice that in the list, 
None of those, he didn't say, don't do it. He didn't, he didn't list a gift and say, don't use it. No, instead, he says to use it and to use it to the best of your ability. If we, uh, if we were to, to maybe take this passage, this uh, section of scripture, and we were to modernize it a bit, let's imagine for a second if, if Pastor Jim were to pen Faithbrook a letter. If he were to pen us this letter and he were to encourage us, what would he say? I think it would say something, well, it would say quite a few things. It's Pastor Jim, he's a preacher. But, uh, but what he would say is uh, he would say something probably like this. He would say, Look, if your gift, if your gift, gift is in technology and you just understand how technology works, may, maybe you uh, work with something that has technology. Uh, maybe uh, you should work on the tech team. Maybe that's a great place to use your gift and skills. Maybe if you enjoy kids and you uh, enjoy youth and you want to uh, be able to teach them and to raise them up and to help them in their faith to grow up so that they can uh, have a strong relationship with Jesus, he says, well, maybe if that's the case, then serving kids, be a part of the youth ministry. He says, maybe, maybe you have uh, the gift of skill with people. Maybe you enjoy being around people. Maybe you have a gift of hospitality and you want to welcome people here at Faithbrook. Well, if that's the case, maybe you should be part of the guest service team. Well, maybe you have the gift of fixing things. Maybe you're just really good and know how things work and you're good at fixing them. Well, maybe, maybe a great place for you is, uh, is to fix stuff. So you should use that gift of fixing things and fix things. Maybe you could be part of the maintenance team. Maybe you have a heart to reach the community. Maybe you could be a part of the outreach team. So he's saying whatever your gift is, maybe it also could be in planning. Maybe it's in setting up events. Maybe it's even in finance. Maybe administration. Whatever it is, do those things and use your gifts to do it. And so he's saying is to know your gift and to use it. Know your gift and use it. So for us, as we, as we hear this limited list and we hear about this and uh, maybe take a moment to uh, be introspective a bit, what, what sparks for you? What, what are the things that you are good at? You know, a little caveat uh, I do want to say is, you know, maybe, maybe you do know your gift and you have a, a specific skill and you say, well, maybe, maybe it doesn't fit here at Faithbrook. Maybe your, your specific something that you're good at is underwater basket weaving. Uh, uh, so let's just say that, okay, well, uh, you know, we don't have underwater basket weaving here at Faithbrook, but maybe in the community, maybe, maybe a great place, maybe not here within the, on this campus, but maybe within the community, underwater basket weaving could be a great place to use your gifts and skills. And even with this, Paul isn't uh, really limiting it to the limitations of uh, inside a local church, uh, although that is part of it. He is saying also, are we using our gift and our skills to serve the, uh, the community at large? It's because what Paul understands is that part of fulfilling our purpose is to use the gifts and uh, skills that he has given us so that we can serve others. Because God wants to use what he has given you. Now, as we are in a modern era, more people than ever are finding their skills and they're figuring out what they're good at, and uh, even they're finding enjoyment in their vo vocation. Uh, they're spending uh, more time at work than ever. And that, on top of uh, family commitments, uh, maybe there's uh, different sports, there's activities, vacations, etc. we have to ask the question, okay, where, where's the time? Where, where are we going to find time to even do something like this? But I think something uh, that is true is that we, we sometimes, uh, when we don't take the time, sometimes we miss out on opportunities to use our gifts to serve others. And the truth is, is that part of God's purpose and design for us is to use these gifts that he has given us. And it's part of to use those gifts to serve the body of Jesus. 
And when we don't take time to use our gifts, we miss out on opportunities to bless others. Now, I'll be honest, we, we are not the American Red Cross. We, uh, we are never going to have 7.5 million volunteers, although that would be incredible. Uh, we, uh, we don't have that many here in uh, our surrounding cities. So we'll never have that many. And while we are not at a world war, we are definitely in the midst of a major spiritual battle. And because of that, we know, we know lives are at stake. We know eternity is on the line. And there are thousands of people who are moving in the homes around us, many of whom don't know Jesus. And as they are trying to figure out life, and as they are trying to navigate how to, how to live, they've heard of Jesus, and they see our little church here on the corner. They're going to be walking in through these doors. They're searching for something, something greater than what they've been trying to figure out on their own. And are we willing to be a part we're willing to be a part of a team here at Faithbrook. We're willing to be part of the body that helps to see that these people who are searching and seeking and trying to find answers and wanting to find fulfillment in their life would be willing to see that they can do that. So as we're navigating this, as we're, we're asking ourselves this question, uh, something for us to ask us ourselves is, is this. What are you good at and where can you use it? How can, how can you be part of the mission and vision here at Faithbrook and really make a difference? And I think even better is how can you make Faithbrook and our surrounding community better? How can you be a part of being, uh, being a church who lead people into a new and thriving life in Christ? So a great next step is I, I want to encourage everyone to reach into the seat back in front of you and grab one of these red cards if you would be uh, ever so gracious to grab one of these and to fill out your basic information and go ahead and check the volunteering on a team. And you're just going to laugh at me. Ha, ha, ha. Mike, what are you getting me into? But here's, the, here's the thing. Maybe, maybe uh, you do want to jump in and you want to be a part of what God is doing around here. And you want to uh, use, your, use your talents to, to see the kingdom advance. And maybe you have an idea of uh, where, where you would like to serve. Uh, I would encourage you at the bottom of the card just to write down a couple, write down a couple things that, that you're interested in, some maybe gifts or skills that you have. You know, maybe, maybe you're sitting there and you, you want to jump in, but you have no clue. You have no clue at all where, what you would do. Maybe you haven't had time. You don't, you don't know. You have questions. Uh, maybe you just don't know uh, what to, what's even available. Uh, if you have anything like that, go ahead and uh, put a question mark at the bottom of the card. Now, maybe you're, maybe you're sitting there, and you're part of 38%, and you're already part of a team. Again, I just want to say thank you so much. Thank you so much for having the courage to jump in and to be a part of one of the many teams here at Faithbrook that really make things happen. Everything from our guest service volunteers to our kids' teams to uh, midweek youth ministries, our life groups, um, even our outreach team. And the list can go on and on and on. Thank you so much because you help push the mission forward and you are making it happen. You are helping the vision to become a reality. So thank you. And so if that's you, I I'd still want you to, at the bottom of the, the card, could you write a, a sentence about what you love about being part of the team that you are on? 
And at the end of the service, when we, uh, when we leave today, uh, everyone can take this card and you can just drop it off into one of the offering boxes as you leave. And in response, I would love to follow up with every one of you. I'd love to be able to follow up with you and to either thank you or even just to help you take that next step into getting in a team, whether you know where you are or where maybe you don't know where. I'd love to have that conversation to help you take that next step so that you can jump in and be a part of a team. You see, when we use uh, our gifts and we volunteer, we know we're contributing to something much, much bigger than ourselves. You see, volunteering is awesome because it really does give us a sense of purpose. It, uh, in fact, studies show that people who volunteer tend to ha- feel better. They uh, are better able to manage their stress. Uh, even uh, people who volunteer feel a stronger connection to their local and uh, uh, local communities. And I think that's why God does call us to to use our gifts to serve others because it does lead to a more fulfilling life. Now, we have have a tall order before us, and I I don't want to lie about that. We've got a tall order. There's a a huge mission field uh, across the field. But yet we serve a God who is much bigger than we are and uh, can do uh, measure more than we can even think or imagine. And that's the God who, who empowers us and is on our side in fact, there's been a few, few families over the past few months who uh, I've just been, uh, just been encouraged by. In fact, there was one family who's uh, just been coming around, and they, they love kid ministry so much, they just jumped right in. And as a family, they serve. They serve as in part of kids ministry because they want to be a part of helping, uh, helping little ones have a, have a solid faith and learn about Jesus, that as they grow up, they can have a solid foundation and a close relationship with Jesus. In fact, there's another person who enjoyed the guest service team because their first time ever showing up to Faithbrook, they had such a profound experience and had such a wonderful experience and felt so loved on and so welcomed that they wanted to be a part of the team that made that happen. They wanted to reciprocate that for other new guests that would show up, that they would, uh, experience, they would have the same kind of experience that she had, that they would be able to uh, have an opportunity to have an, an encounter and experience Jesus, that he could shape and change their hearts. In fact, there's another, another one I got this week where they didn't know. They don't know where, where they want to go, but they're, they're interested in serving. They're just, they're just so compelled by what's going on around here. They're so compelled of what God's doing that they want to be a part of what's going on. And so they just said, you know, I, I'm not sure, but I definitely want to be a part of what's going on around here. So what would it look like? What would it look like if we doubled our participation and we had 80% of the people who called Faithbrook home, 80% of people who volunteered? Could we imagine, not even just the impact here, but could we imagine the impact in our surrounding community? Could we imagine what, uh, what the whispers would be? That any new guests that would show up, they, they know, we know confidently that they would have a fantastic experience. That we know that any time that we invited someone to come and show up, we know that we have someone who's a part of our community is going to give them the best experience ever. That whether it's part of the guest services, part of kids, even part of what goes on in here, that we know they're going to have a fantastic, wonderful experience and have the opportunity to meet Jesus. Imagine being able to, to be able to have that. Imagine that if we hear the name Faithbrook, it's not about Faithbrook, but we know that, man, they, they love Jesus. And Jesus is really doing crazy things. And you would really get to be a part of what happens and what's going on around here. Because God wants to use what he has given you. And when we, when we learn to put first things first, when we learn to, to do, these, do these things, we really begin to live out and fulfill our purpose. 
We really began to see our lives uh, being a lot more enjoyable. We start seeing a lot more fulfillment because our purpose will shape everything we do and it affects every way in which we live. And that is what God calls us to. So I want to encourage us as we get ready to, to leave that we'd all stand together. And I'd love for to just pray over us as we are heading out and as we go in through this week. I'd love to pray a prayer of a blessing over us. So Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your grace. Thank you so much that, that you, you loved us and that you, you reconciled a relationship, that we may have a relationship with you. Thank you for your grace that you have given us each gifts, that we can use those gifts to, in, in turn, serve and uh, really uh, impact the kingdom and further your kingdom. So God, as we, we go, may your, may your spirit empower us this week. May, may we really live out our purpose. May, may you remind us of uh, what it is to, uh, to really live uh, with a sense of urgency and even to, to know uh, what it is to, to put these first things first, that uh, when we live in such a way that it really does lead to a fulfilling life and the life that you have called us to. So we thank you and praise you. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.